Well, uh, it is time to discuss RCEP or the uh, Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership Agreement with the various nations in Asia, including China and South Korea now uh, being a signatory of this deal. We're going to focus on the uh, domestic aspects of this, why this deal is beneficial for South Korea. For uh, many of our listeners, you could be forgiven for kind of wondering, man, this is a pretty dry topic. This isn't very interesting uh, to discuss. And uh, we seem to be spending a lot of time on this. Well, uh, it is significant in the sense that it's the largest ever multilateral free trade agreement that has been signed so far, really dwarfing all the other agreements we've had up to date, uh, including for South Korea uh, with their existing free trade pacts. And it does have a lot of ramifications for the Northeast Asia region, particularly with the balance of power and what the U.S. ultimately uh, will have as far as their intentions with trying to be involved with this bloc and not be uh, kind of put to the sidelines. So it's a challenge for them as well, for the new Biden administration. It's going to be something that China certainly is interested in over the next few years as they want to establish more and more of a larger and more influential presence uh, in this area, uh, especially with countries like South Korea and the neighboring countries like Japan. So that is why it has been discussed quite so um, frequently on this program. Got to be honest, because we talk about so many other things on the show. Uh, The media seems to be saturated with coverage of things like COVID-19 or the prosecutorial disputes between uh, Justice Mr. Chumye and Yoon Seok-yeol. And it really does kind of push to the side uh, and to the background issues like RCEP. And if you've been hearing uh, programs like uh, News Factory or News Gongjang, uh, they are also trying to make an effort to try to highlight the, the importance of this pack and kind of what it has in terms of ramifications and how it affects it. So we are going to be waiting for the expert analysis of Professor Choi Gyeong from Hongik University's College of Law. As uh, you've been hearing from the uh, traffic and weather updates uh, with Song Yi-won, the um, situation is not good out there. <laughs> it's raining quite a bit and the roads are treacherous to say the least. So uh, unfortunately, uh, because of that, logistically speaking, um, uh, Choi Gyeong, Professor Cho, is uh, a little bit late uh, in coming in, but she should be uh, coming in uh, very shortly. And I believe uh, the update from our staff indicates that uh, she has now entered the building and is graciously uh, appearing in our studio uh, to talk about this while I was trying to buy time uh, for <laughs> morning, her uh, wonderful arrival. Thank you very much for joining us, Professor Joy, and I really appreciate it because I know that it is a little bit iffy out there, huh, in terms of... My the... apologies, but yeah, I mean, the ETA was, what, uh, 5, 7.55, and uh-huh. all of a sudden it changed to 8.10, and I'm thinking, what is yeah, going on Yeah, yeah, I, I remember I was just going down the Gangbyeon Expressway, and the, there was almost flooding on the on the uh, the roads there as you were going. Literally, it was uh, pretty yeah. dangerous out yeah. there, so uh, well, that, thankfully you are here safe and sound. Um, I just kind of briefly talk about why this is important, why kind of it does seem like the news media doesn't seem to be covering this more. They're focusing more on Chumye and, and mm. all these other kind of high, kind of salacious type of stuff. Uh, you actually personally said you, you'd like to discuss this. And so uh, we want to get your thoughts uh, initially, what you feel about um, what we can expect from this trading block and why it is so important. Right. You're right. Uh, there isn't as much of an excitement around this uh, free trade deal as... Uh, there might have been, you know, some years ago. Uh, there was a time when you know, we were 
it seemed like uh, South Korea was signing a, a free, free trade deal uh, one every month <laughs> and all these like alphabet soup uh, of acronyms uh, like uh, TTP and RCEP and, and, and so forth. Um, but this one had been long time in coming and possibly the, the biggest significance of this deal is the the fact that it's the first time there has been a free trade deal where all three uh, East, Northeast Asian nations uh, are in the it together. The big three, right? The we big can three. Say, yeah. <laughs> uh, Korea, China, and Japan. Right. Um, and it's actually the first time that we have signed a, a free trade agreement with Japan also. Um, and so in reality, uh, there is actually in already in place a, an FTA with all of the other 14 members of this RCEP deal, except for Japan, uh, with us. And for a very long time, uh, we were actually reluctant to enter into any kind of free trade deal with Japan because in all of our trade history with Japan since um, normalization of relations in 65, there, we have never had a trade surplus with, deficit, uh, with Japan. We've always run a trade deficit. And so uh, the thought was if we actually, actually lowered tariffs and made it easier to trade, that deficit is going to grow bigger. But what has happened uh, more recently is that the size of deficit has actually decreased. And last year, we have recorded the lowest deficit uh, in 16 years. And I think we are feeling actually a little bit differently uh, with regard to our relationship, our trade relationship, at least with Japan, particularly um since the the export ban that Japan had instituted against uh, us last year with regard to some essential semiconductor components. And real, we realized that we don't necessarily have to depend on Japan mm. for all these essential technologies. Yeah, we're no longer the weak little brother uh, that can be bullied around and kind of being uh, kind of uh, dictated to by Japan because they have the superior technology of components that we need desperately to uh, do our own uh, manufacturing. Uh, it, I think that is the key that I think a lot of people overlook here is the presence of Japan really kind of seems to be the X factor because as you rightly point out, um, with Japan, and we can get into the the trade disputes and and what they're doing, but that chronic deficit that has occurred, I I don't think anyone's going to accuse us of being pro-Japanese because that's not really a position that you want to be in 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 Korean society. However, uh, with Japan, uh, they've had a lot of difficulties over the years with signing their own bilateral FTAs. You know mm-hmm. that um, mm-hmm. South Korea has had their own hiccups because the agricultural lobby here is mm. fairly strong, but the rice mm-hmm. farmers, and there's been a lot of resistance, especially when the Chorus FTA was first bandied about uh, more than a decade right. ago. Mm-hmm. Japan's uh, agricultural lobby, if, if anything, is immensely Even stronger. stronger. And it right. has yes. presented them... Possibly the strongest in the world. Right. I would say. It prevented them from signing anything remotely regarding any opening of um, lowering of tariffs and opening up their markets. Mm-hmm. No, no bilateral with with Japan, with South Korea, uh, with the U.S., with China. Mm-hmm. We've had to kind of go on these series of patchwork bilateral FTAs with these various countries: China, the U.S., uh, the EU bloc, and and even ASEAN. Uh, and the fact that Japan is kind of on board with this meant that they had to kind of finally give in to some of those. Um, long-held sort of obstacles in their way uh, with the lowering of of those tariffs uh, or at least opening their markets up. And so that kind of gave the keyway entry, as you said, Mm. to to getting an entry into Japan and really kind of uh, tackling some of these issues of those chronic uh, deficits. Yeah, in a way. And and Japan has, as you said, given way uh, with regard to the agricultural market, particularly uh, in some 
deals. But in fact, this RCEP deal, um, one of the reasons why I don't necessarily expect a huge uh, difference uh, or impact on our trade um, immediately on our economy is because this RCEP deal is what what I would term a retro FTA. um, Because You know, originally free trade agreements were all about cutting tariffs. But as economy sort of developed into more service economy and also intellectual property became more important um, and uh, advanced nations basically wanted to also impose uh, sort of labor standards and environmental protection standards, the scope of free trade agreements uh, became sort of, you know, much wider. But this RCEP is uh, very much in the classic mold. It really focuses on lowering of tariff barriers rather than non-tariff barrier. And it hardly sort of touches agricultural market, which uh, is what uh, made it much easier for Japan yeah, to you know, sign yeah. up to it. Um, and there were a lot of expectation that it was going to sort of harmonize e-commerce rules among the, the 15 uh, uh, nations, but that also didn't really happen. And so um, in terms of, you know, uh, the, the tariff barrier, it's good that tariffs will be lowered. But because we already have existing FTAs with all these other countries, apart from Japan, um, and these reduction in tariffs are going to happen over a much longer period than we actually you know, think. Uh, so I don't really expect okay. an immediate uh, impact from the signing of this disagreement. One interesting aspect of this, and this is a very broad oversimplification of mm-hmm. looking at it, but if you say RCEP is led by China, Uh, and then mm -hmm. previously TPP was led by the U.S. Mm. Uh, It almost seems like an eternity ago, but 2016, the U.S. presidential elections there, that was a big issue, TPP Mm -hmm. and the U.S., uh, the Obama administration crafting that. Mm -hmm. The the backlash to that was intense enough that the former Secretary of State of the Obama administration, who had a part in this, um, had to backtrack and basically say she did not support the TPP because she had pressure from her left with Bernie Sanders at the time in the primaries. That kind Kind of, I believe, gave uh, Korea a little bit of an out because they were kind of uh, iffy and reticent about joining TPP at that time, as you, as you call. It. Japan was very gung ho, but Absolutely. they had a dilemma here with China yeah. being mindful of China at the thing, and so it kind of let them kick the can down the road with TPP. But mm. now that Biden is coming in, what mm. do you think is going to happen? Because mm. um, South Korea is firmly entrenched in RCEP, right? We can we can say that. But is Biden? going to try to restart things. They have a CPTPP, and CPTPP, is he going is, right. is, is to let the U.S. join that, or is he going to, like Japan wants to do, maybe mm. be a part of RCEP with this China-led thing, which doesn't seem to be as likely? What do you think? Mm. So we actually had a couple of reservations about joining our TPP, or Trans-Pacific Partnership, uh, which was um, very much led by U.S. and Japan. And obviously, it was a mega trade deal if it was going, uh, if it, uh, yeah. was going to go. And in fact, it, it actually did get signed, right? Um, but but uh, the problem was, um, A, uh, it would have been the first free trade agreement that we would have entered with Japan uh, because that ha- this happened before RCEP, obviously. And uh, we were really nervous <laughs> about that uh, because of the reasons I mentioned, that the, the, the continuous uh, trade, trade deficit deficits, that we have yeah. with Japan. And the second is TPP is a much wider and a um, sort of a, 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 
wider FTA on another level from RCEP. I mentioned that I consider RCEP to be a kind of a retro FTA. Yeah, and uh, why you don't feel the impacts are going to be as severe or uh, dramatic as right. uh, we think. Yeah. Whereas TPP is much more uh, almost like futuristic <laughs> FTA at the time when it was being signed because it had some of the most uh, strongest intellectual property protection regimes, um, which, which didn't really present so much of a stumbling block for us anymore because we had already strengthened our uh, regime. But uh, because we are still an importer of uh, intellectual property uh, rather than being an exporter on the whole, uh, it would have been sort of less advantageous for us if that strong, stronger regime had been implemented. Second is um, it also covers wider uh, sectors of service market, uh, and we were not necessarily keen to open right, up Right, because all we are not very competitive in that aspect, Exactly, right? yeah. particularly back then. Um, and the third is it also contained a lot of what's no, known as poison clauses, things like investor state dispute uh, uh, provisions where companies that feel that, you know, they uh, were misled by government and invested wrongly in a country could actually sue the yeah. government uh, before arbitration panels um, and so forth. And so uh, all of these kind of uh, factors made it very uh, difficult and I think uh, made Korea reluctant to join TPP. And then later on, we actually change our mind and decide, okay, politically, we should, <laughs> we, we, we need to join this block. Otherwise, there is a risk that we'll be left behind and we'll actually, you know, suffer the consequences of having, uh, you know, worse trade terms with these uh, uh, partners, yeah. who are actually very important uh, trading partners with us, all the countries around the Pacific Rim. And so when we atten attempted to join uh, the, the party then, uh, Japan actually blocked our application uh, because if a non-member wants to join at a later point, all the, at the time, 12 uh, members of TPP actually uh, had to consent and Japan didn't consent. And so we uh, weren't able to join. Now, we you talked about CPTPP. Now, CPTPP is the TPP minus U US. Uh, when Trump came into power, he basically immediately right. sort of um, got out of TPTP because he was obviously uh, following. Which we are not a part of. We are, we are not a part of TPP, no. We, CPTPP we, either. We, we are not yeah. part of CPTPP because CPT, <laughs> CPTPP is the remnant of TPP right. minus US. Um, but they also got rid of all those um, more of the draconian provisions that US wanted, but the rest of the parties didn't. Uh, and so if we actually were invited to join CPTPP by Biden administration, um, and if US you know, decides to join, there is absolutely no skin off our nose to, to join CPTPP and also RCEP. Okay. So then the question is, as you say, uh, you don't feel um, that there will be any immediate, like tomorrow you and I will say, oh, wow, we just got like uh, 500 bucks in our bank accounts because of uh, RCEP, right? <laughs> Yay. That's not going to oh, be the case. Cheaper grapes, you know, things like <laughs> right, that. Right. So those are oh. things. Um, but there are opportunities here, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we, do had, we did have the existing FTA with ASEAN, but mm -hmm. there does seem to be, from Korea's perspective, officially with that new southern strategy, that mm -hmm. they really feel the growth opportunities are not necessarily yes. in Northeast mm -hmm. Asia, but it's going to be in Southeast Asia. And mm -hmm. those emerging markets, those fast-growing mm -hmm. economies like mm -hmm. Vietnam, et cetera, uh, are going to be fruitful. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that's great. But the, where do you think you see the benefits then overall in the long term? Mm. But also, if the idea is we need to be more self-reliant after this pandemic, mm. the dream for a lot of people, and I feel like that's a positive direction to go, is to be 
less of this 80% of GDP dependent on export-oriented economy and mm. becoming more dependent on domestic demand as all these other mature economies around the world, including the U.S., mm. are, uh, it does seem to sort of kind of run counter to those long-term goals if indeed we accept the premise that that is the way we should go. What do you're, you think? You're right. If our goal was self-reliance, uh, then you know, we should be looking to j u t e right? Yeah. But obviously, that's not our goal. Uh, but the... I mentioned that it, this doesn't really give us a lot of um, uh, tariff bear, uh, advantages, but in terms of non-tariff uh, uh, advantages, it does institute a, a common rules of origin mm. uh, uh, regime for all of the 15 countries. So that's, that's a big advantage for us. But that actually means it's very easy uh, for our manufacturers to actually offshore their operations to a, a country where... They have cheaper labor within this block. Right. And so it presents both opportunity and also threat for us, depending on you know, where you are placed. Plus, if your goal is self-reliance, obviously, you know, free trade is not the way to go. But this deal is definitely going to help us diversify our market. We yeah. are far too reliant on a specific number of markets. And we know when things go south with those markets, how things can deteriorate really quickly. We saw that post-thought with China. We saw that with US uh, just recently and also with Japan just last year. And so it is really important for us to diversify our markets. And uh, RCEP is definitely going to help us do that. Yeah, but it, it really shouldn't be a one-way street, right? It's not like, oh, these guys love our K-pop and our dramas, and so we're going to shove all this stuff and 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 you know and and sell a bunch of goods and services to Southeast Asia. But at the same time, there needs to be, as you say, kind of more intrinsic, kind of uh, not just kind of goods and widgets type of thing, but really fostering those kind of deep right, ties, a, right? A mutual beneficial, you know, relationship. I mean, the the point is that we we shouldn't really sort of be engaged in mercantile kind of you know approach uh, with these markets. We shouldn't just be thinking of them as you know. Uh, dollar signs and in working sort of in a purse, <laughs> obviously, uh, what we really should be doing uh, is to foster better understanding. And these countries actually do look to us. Um, and th- these are places where we actually do have soft power. And there is, I think, really significant synergies that we can uh, exploit and really show some leadership in the region that we haven't really been able to do so far. Right. So uh, in the final minute we have here, then looking forward, as far as RCEP is concerned, on the whole, it does seem to be, uh, from what you see with the government planning uh, in terms of their new Southern strategy, the new Southern strategy plus that was recently announced as well, and uh, with this overriding, the the dynamics have changed with COVID-19, but I I guess with the government, they are trying to have a long-term vision uh, with that pandemic and the recovery that the whole world has to do in mind. Right. Uh, And so uh, this is obviously... um, Um, a a milestone uh, in that that sort of long-term, longer-term plan. Uh, But, you know, we know that the the devil is really in the detail and the execution, uh, particularly for this. And so um, it's something uh, that that we really should uh, work together with the partners in in this block. Yeah. Uh, We're going to continue to get some analysis on this. Uh, We saw it from South Korea's perspective, uh, looking at it from the global perspective with these various players, including China uh, and the U.S. as well. But uh, Professor Cho... First of all, uh, we're glad you made it here safe and sound. Uh, Thank you for joining us. Uh, We hope you have a safe uh, journey back out there in the treacherous rain and uh, look forward to talking to you again next week. Thank you very much. Thank you. We're going to be back in part four of the program after another check of traffic and weather.